Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Martin, Medical Director of Clinical Concepts and Obstetrics. Today's podcast is going to be addressing perimortem cesarean delivery pearls. Over the course of my career, I've performed many perimortem cesarean deliveries. So I'm going to be offering both my perspective from my experience and giving you feedback where there's some science or recommendations available to guide our best practice. Now we're taught we should not be operating on an unstable patient. So why on earth would we consider doing a perimortem cesarean delivery? It doesn't get much more unstable than being in cardiac arrest. So it does beg the question, why would we consider doing a perimortem cesarean delivery? Your patient's in cardiac arrest. Well, the real driving force behind this recommendation is to improve the chances of a successful resuscitation of the mom. Now, it is true that if you don't deliver the baby, there's really no chance of survival or very, very low chance of survival for this baby if the mom is in cardiac arrest. But the fetal status is not a driving factor. It really plays no role at all in the decision of whether or not you should perform a perimortem cesarean delivery. More on this in a minute. So why would we do it? There's really several key things that we're trying to achieve when we perform a perimortem cesarean. The first is to relieve the obstruction that the uterus does or applies on the vena cava. So when the uterus is above 20 weeks size, right around that size, you're going to have obstruction of the vena cava and less venous return to the heart. So if you've got a multiple gestation, the uterus is going to reach that bifurcation of the aorta and the vena cava sooner than 20 weeks gestation, so you can have obstruction even earlier than that. The second reason to do it is to improve our ability to perform effective chest compressions. Now, those of you who have ever been involved in a code situation know that chest compressions are very challenging to perform even in the best of circumstances. And if the uterus is elevating the chest and expanding the ribs, it can make it more difficult to uh, actually perform chest compressions. The third reason is to improve the chances of maternal survival. It also improves neonatal outcomes. Of course, the neonate is not going to survive if it's not delivered, so you do have the potential for survival. And lastly, there's no evidence that performing perimortem cesarean worsens maternal outcomes. I mean, the chances of survival for this mom are already pretty poor to begin with, um, and there's no evidence that performing perimortem cesarean worsens outcomes. Quite the opposite, there's evidence that it that may improve outcomes. But we do not have an infinite amount of time to assess the maternal response. You've got a limited amount of time to know whether mom is getting better or not, and then you have to act. The American Heart Association recommends that perimortem cesarean delivery be part of the resuscitation of the pregnant woman in cardiac arrest. Now, many of you are aware of the four-minute rule or the five-minute rule, whatever you want to call it. So what is this? The goal is to start your perimortem cesarean within four minutes of maternal cardiac arrest. And that should result in having the baby delivered within five minutes of the arrest. And that's why we sometimes call it the four-minute rule or the five-minute rule. You want to start the perimortem section within four minutes of the arrest and have the baby out within five minutes of the arrest. To do this means you have to prepare for delivery when you start chest compressions. You can't wait four or five minutes to see if the patient is responding and then get start getting ready to do the cesarean section. You have to start preparing at the time you start chest compressions. This requires team planning and simulation. I want to say this again. This requires team planning and simulation. 
achieving delivery within five minutes of cardiac arrest is very difficult to accomplish. You can't do it without adequate team planning and simulation. So how do you actually accomplish a perimortem cesarean delivery? I want to talk a little bit about what the, the physicality of it, like what do you actually do? And I want to point out also that all of these things um, don't have to happen in sequence. Many of them will happen concurrently. So to start with, of course, you're going to call a code blue. And think for a minute. In your institution, do you know who responds to a code blue in obstetrics? Do you know who's actually going to come? Do you know, know if those people know where labor and delivery or your ORs where you perform cesarean sections are? Do you know where your code card is on your unit? And when you ask yourselves those questions, you can start to see why it's so essential that you simulate this over and over and over. So you've called your code, code blue and you're going to start chest compressions immediately. Now, someone's got to start the stopwatch, which means in your institution, you need to have a process in place for um, calling your code, starting chest compressions, and then who's keeping track of the time. And then someone needs to be responsible for manually displacing the uterus off the vena cava. In the old days, we did a wedge. We place a wedge under the hip. Now we're manually displacing the uterus off the vena cava. And, and those of you in obstetrics are not afraid of a uterus. You're not afraid to get in there and manhandle it and move it off the vena cava. This allows you to do more effective chest compressions. The focus is on effective chest compressions. You're going to be removing the fetal monitors. There is no need to perform fetal monitoring when you're in a code situation. There is nothing you will see on that monitor that will influence when or whether you should perform peri perimortem cesarean. Either the patient is going to have return of spontaneous circulation within four minutes, or she will not. And therefore, you will be proceeding with delivery regardless of the fetal condition. If the mother is in cardiac arrest at four minutes and you do not have return of spontaneous circulation, if the fetus is demised, you will be proceeding with delivery. If the fetus has got a category three tracing, you're going to proceed with delivery. So the fetal condition does not dictate your decision. It's maternal condition, which dictates whether or not you're going to be doing the cesarean. You do not need to do an ultrasound to confirm viability. If the fetus is demised, you're still going to be emptying the uterus because remember, part of the reason for doing the cesarean section is to relieve the obstruction and facilitate chest compressions. Do not move the patient. I'm going to repeat that. Do not move the patient. I've performed perimortem cesarean sections on the floor of a bathroom in a unit. I've performed perimortem cesarean sections in a patient bed on antepartum. I've performed perimortem cesarean sections on an OR table. Do not move the patient. That's precious time that you're wasting. You've got a very limited amount of time to get this baby out. You do not want to be moving the patient while you're trying to do your chest compressions and your resuscitation. Don't waste time prepping the abdomen or draping. It's not necessary. All you really need to do a perimortem cesarean section is a scalpel. That's all you really need. All the rest is nice to have, but you don't need it. So ask yourself, do you know where to get a scalpel if you have a cardiac arrest on antepartum? What, do you have, what if you have cardiac arrest in triage? Is it on your code card? Where would you find it? Don't worry about pain management for your patients. If you're worrying about pain management or whether her epidural is uh, sufficient, you are not performing a perimortem cesarean section. 
no need to worry about bleeding. When your patient is in cardiac arrest, you will not have cardiac output to the uterus. So when you cut into the patient and you cut into the uterus, she will not bleed. You don't need to worry about that. If you've got circulation, you're not performing a perimortem cesarean section. Now, one of the big topics of controversy in this arena is what type of incision to make. And this is where we don't really have guidelines um, or literature that says what the best way is. I can just give you my experience and kind of the pros and cons. In my opinion, you perform whatever incision gets this baby out the fastest. Now, obstetricians are very experienced with fan and steel incisions. They do them all the, all the time. They could probably do them with their eyes closed, in their sleep, upside down, hands tied behind their back. But they're less familiar with midline vertical incisions, especially in this era of non-invasive surgery. And this is a very high-stress situation. So my advice is you perform whatever incision will get the baby out the fastest. That said, if you're successful in resuscitating this patient, it's very likely she may end up with a midline incision at some point. Hemorrhage, DIC, and need for reoperation and abdominal exploration are common in these scenarios. So she may end up with an, an anchor incision, but if you can quickly perform a midline incision, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I think this is, you know, another reason we need to be simulating this. Once the baby's handed to the neonatal team, now you reassess the situation. So the baby is out. You've got a second to stop, breathe, and reassess. Is the patient back uh, with spontaneous uh, uh, circulation? Do you have return of spontaneous circulation? If so, can you move the patient to an operating room to finish the surgery? Is it an option for you to pack the abdomen and wait, or can you close her up? It's important to remember that with the abdomen open, it's easier to assess if she's got her pulses back by palpating the aorta directly instead of relying on peripheral pulses. That's not a reason to necessarily leave the abdomen open, but my point is once the baby is out, stop and reassess. Are we closing? Are we packing? Can we move the patient to the operating room? And that's a very individualized team decision based on the patient's condition. I want to emphasize that achieving all of these things we've just talked about within four minutes of cardiac arrest is a rare event. It's very, very challenging. And even the best teams will have difficulty achieving this. But simulating and practicing and using different teams in your simulation will increase the likelihood that you'll be able to achieve your goal of four minutes, starting your cesarean section within four minutes of cardiac arrest and having the baby out within five minutes of maternal arrest. If you want to know more about how clinical concepts in obstetrics can help your program, check out our website at www.clinicalconceptsnob.com. Thanks for listening.